Okay, good. Um, <clears throat> I was away, Matt sent me the question, so I'm glad I had some time to reflect on them. Uh, I grew up in a very unconventional home. It wasn't a Christian home. Uh, my father grew up atheist. Uh, but at six years of age, I started thinking about why I'm here. You know, what is my meaning? And uh, I had two great aunts that had a very deep faith. I didn't see them often, but I guess they had an influence on me. And so from the time I was six years old, I grew up in Winnipeg. Every Sunday morning, I would walk by myself to Sunday school. And there was something about who this Jesus figure was that really uh, intrigued me. And I would go uh, continuously every Sunday. In fact, I got a um, little plastic cup for going every week without missing, and I was very proud of that. <laughs> a little drinking cup with a verse on it. Um, and so I made a commitment at that age to follow Christ. And I had a big picture of him in my, in my room, and I would get on my knees and pray to him. Uh, and it wasn't until I was 12 that my mother became a Christian at a Billy Graham crusade. Much to the uh, chagrin of my father, they had kind of an experience like C.S. Lewis had. Um, uh, was it C.S. Lewis? I'm trying to think. Uh, where my father became quite jealous that my mother now had a different first love. who was God, and he couldn't reconcile that. But then later on, my father also became a Christian. So I would go on my own, and I would share the gospel with my dad and, uh, you know, read scripture together. And uh, anyway, so eventually all my family became Christians, which I'm very fortunate um, with, and I've never steered from that. Uh, Matt was talking about diversity. I grew up in a very um, uh, motley crew kind of environment. My father uh, got into recovery when I was very young from alcoholism. He was a war veteran, and uh, so we always had a motley crew of characters coming through our home. And my mother had this gift of hospitality. So even though we grew up in a very uh, uh, poor area, my, my parents had friends from all walks of life, rich, poor, whatever. They always wanted to come to our place because not only was my mother a great cook, but it was a place of hospitality and safety. And so we'd always have different people coming through. And so from a very early age, diversity became uh, a big part of my life, even before I knew what diversity was. Uh, so in terms of my faith, that's something that I have maintained as my most important um, focus in life, my relationship with Christ. And I don't know why, at six years old, I felt this compulsion to go and to continue going and seeking, um, but I'm grateful for it. I guess it begs the question, you know, do we initiate that relationship with God or does God initiate with us? I don't know. I'm just glad it's there. And I'm just going to add one last thing yeah. as you go to your next question. I think one of uh, the most poignant moments in my, in my uh, spiritual life was going to my grandmother. She lived across the road from us in Winnipeg, and I had a great aunt uh, who never married, but she was always a deeply, deeply religious woman. And uh, I remember going to my grandmother's one evening, and I was walking by the kitchen towards the living room, and the, she had a den, and the door was slightly ajar. The sun was setting, and I could... Just as I passed by, I could see my great Auntie Katie, who I'm named after. Um, she was on her knees and she was praying in German. And I could see the sun kind of cascading over her body. And I met, it was just that split second, I remember looking at her and thinking, I want what she has. And so we never know the impact we're gonna have on people by something we say or something we do. Um, but I never forgot that moment and that has always stuck with me. 
Did you see just that interest, you know, that you had a deep faith even from a very young age. Yeah. When you, you know, became a teenager to a young adult, uh, in that phase, it's often a time when youth and, and young adults will drift from the faith or from the mm -hmm. church, or did you kind of go through one of those transitions in your faith as you got older, did you feel? Big time. Uh, when I was 16, I had my first drink, and I was off to the races. Uh, I don't know, you've been doing a whole series on mental health, and addiction is actually a mental health issue. Um, I was one of those people, when I picked up a drink or a drug, I couldn't stop. I don't even like the taste of alcohol. And so, very quickly, I became in conflict with my, my faith in the sense that I was serving two masters. I started living out a lifestyle that was not um, congruent with my values, and I knew that. So I came to a place where I had to make a decision, and I remember it was uh, a very cold, wintry day. I was standing at a bus stop waiting to go to university um, in Winnipeg, and I thought, okay, you are not capable of quitting uh, the drugs and the drink. You've tried on your own. And that lie was in my head, that, that addictive voice said to me, you're, this is just your life, accept it, it's never gonna change. This is how you're gonna go out. And I thought, then I just have to stop praying. Because I, I can't consciously be living this life and trying to maintain a connection with God. And so that day I just stopped praying. I didn't stop believing, but I just stopped praying. I just shut that door. And that was one of the darkest days of my life. Um, fortunately, I only drank or used for five years, and my parents were very savvy with my dad being in recovery, and they forced me to go into a treatment center. And it was the best thing they ever did. I went because I was pressured, otherwise I was gonna get kicked out of the house. And I went with the intention, I'll go for the three-week program, I'll graduate, I'm done, get them off my back, go back to my, my original ways. But something happened in that treatment center, and I would listen to the stories of the women and the men and what they'd been through, and I thought, wow, if I continue on like they are, I'm gonna lose everything. And I've met people that have come into recovery that were 16, 17, and they were wiped out. Some people take it for 30, 40 years, and I just thought, I can't live like this. I have no peace of mind, I'm not happy, and yet I can't stop, I didn't understand it. But I had, I guess, that genetic predisposition like my father had. Um, but I did what they told me to do. I went to meetings, uh, I changed the people, the places, and the playgrounds, the three P, P's that they talk about in recovery groups. And my life began to change again, and then I reconnected with God. Um, and I've been in recovery for many years now, so um, did that make me stop being a Christian? Absolutely not. I know God loves us, but uh, it was like the walking dead. So I'm really glad that that is behind me. Mm -hmm. And uh, my life is much more meaningful now. Mm. Thanks. I know this is probably fast-tracking a number of years, but yeah. from that place of recovery and reconnection with God, uh, what would you say has led to you to where you are now in your faith and the kind of relationship you have with God and also why uh, this service, this community uh, is appealing to you? You know, I said maybe it's practical, but mm -hmm. in what way does it sort of feed or nourish your faith with God as it stands now? Uh, so, so what would you say is the more recent connection in your faith and to St. Aidan's in this service in particular? I live downtown with my family for most of the time that I've been in Toronto. Uh, but in the last two years, we moved out to this end of the, 
uh, the city. And so I started going to a couple different churches. And this is about seven minutes from our home. And I came in, and I just liked the quiet, contemplative aspect, because our society is not contemplative. And I have a very uh, busy life. I have a, a young special needs son. I work in a very intense, uh, emotionally demanding field, social work with addiction and mental health. I also have a spouse that has some physical health challenges. So I, I need a place where I can come and it's quiet. Uh, it, it's, the teaching is mature and uh, it's welcoming. It's really important. You know, so, um, and the 8.30 service works for me practically because my son's in all kinds of sports. So if you didn't have this, I don't know when I'd be able to, to get here, so I'm really, really grateful for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think for those who are able to come to our town hall, that was, I think, the most prominent part of the feedback, or the biggest thread was this, this time and this service being uh, for the quiet and the contemplation and the meditation and the chance to rest. Uh, so I don't think you're alone in that way. And I think that was a message that was well received, that uh, that's an important part of, of who this community is. Uh, so I think it's really good, you know, you represent that in, in a special way too. Um, so that being one of the diverse ways that all of you connect with the church and faith in God in a different way uh, than, say, those at 10.30 do, uh, so that's one element of diversity. Mm -hmm. And the other element of your life, Kat, that I wanted to, to share about uh, was your personal life. And I really appreciate you being willing to, sure. to share. And, and, you know, yeah, what diversity looks like for you in your home mm -hmm. uh, and uh, how your family's being received sort of at large and in, in faith communities as well. So I always kind of laugh when I say this. I come from a very conventional family, which is not true at all. <laughs> um, I've been married for 12 years. Uh, I am uh, in a gay marriage, and my spouse is Jewish. And we have an adopted biracial son. So in Toronto, that may not seem like a big deal, uh, but it is still to a lot of people. I mean, if I live two hours outside the city, my experience with our family would be received probably quite differently than it is here which is why we live in the city we do. Uh, it's been a very challenging but wonderful experience uh, going through these diverse changes. You know, I realize with the spiritual life, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, it's messy, it's ugly, it's all kinds of things depending on the day. Uh, but what I've maintained through all of these uh, challenges with our diverse family is that I know unequivocally beyond anything else that God loves me as he loves you unconditionally, and nothing's gonna change that. So that's what I think centers me. Uh, for our family, it's, it's, uh, it's been difficult because my spouse is a cultural Jew, not practicing, and I'm always encouraging, you know, let's try to keep some of those traditions. So we do what we call Chrismaka, Hanukkah and Christmas. We do Eastover, Passover and Easter. Easter. Uh, but I don't think it has the spiritual draw for her, but what makes our relationship work is that there is that respect. Um, she doesn't understand how um, someone could love God or make God your first love or be so interested and committed to that uh, because she's never experienced it. My 11-year-old son, <clears throat> is uh, I used to bring him to Sunday school and then one day he uh, said to me, I don't want to go anymore. He, he just refused to go, so I sat down with him. I said, well, what's going on? 
and he came into my bedroom and he said, you see that guy there? It was a little icon of Christ. He goes, whenever they talk about him in Sunday school, I fall asleep. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I tried not to laugh, but I thought, you know, he's being honest. So I made the decision, I'm not gonna force someone to do something they don't wanna do. Now, some people may disagree with that, but I just knew my son was very spirited. It would send him in the other direction. And I, was, I anguished over it because I, you know, I really want him to have that experience that I had with God, but that's his journey, it's not mine. And so I realized I just need to live it. And so I don't hide the fact that I'm a Christian and my spouse is very respectful. We say prayers at every meal. Um, I have my odd moments where I can plant seeds with my son, but that's really between him and his higher power. Um, in terms of uh, my spouse's family, very welcoming, atheists, non-practicing Jews, just, uh, but I, I, I think, you know, God has had me throughout my entire life. I've always been thrown into these lion's dens of such diversity that sometimes it's hard to manage. Like, it's hard to collate and assimilate. And so that's where I need to pull away and just regroup myself and recenter myself. And so in one of the questions you asked about inclusivity, and I thought, it is very important for people to feel included. And I think the key is hospitality having somebody greet at the door. You know, challenge for me, maybe for us as parishioners, when we see somebody new, go and shake a hand. Make them feel welcome. Don't stick with our comfortable groups. But with inclusivity, uh, we need not apologize for our, our faith. I have been to churches where they're trying to be so welcoming, so inclusive, that there's hardly any mention of God. And I'm like, I'm here to worship Christ. Mm. It felt more like a human rights gathering and human rights is very important, but I come here to worship Jesus, and I don't apologize for that. Mm -hmm. But I have no problem. There's people that are meaning seekers that, you know, they may find a different path, and that's, that's their prerogative, and, and we need to respect that. So yes, be inclusive, and I think that you guys do a really good job with that, with the language, you're just very welcoming. It's not a shame-based model of Christianity, mm -hmm. and that, I think, is what's really important. Mm -hmm. um, just to close, would you say, you know, in terms of um, finding your path and, um, you know, marrying a woman and adopting a child of a different race who mm. had some special needs, was that ever a conflict for you? Or, or was your sense of God that God is so big or God's love is so great? Mm -hmm. That, you know what I mean? That you didn't feel yeah. like you were going to be shunned by God. Because I imagine there might be fear of being shunned by the church mm -hmm. or religion. Mm -hmm. But was it always, you know, you were at peace with that and comfort because of your faith? Or were they conflict too? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. It was one of the most painful experiences I've ever gone through. And if you asked me 10 years ago, you're going to be married to a woman, someone outside your faith, and you're going to adopt a black baby, I'd laugh at you like, what are you talking about? But God has a sense of humor, I think. And, you know, maybe I needed to, what that Aboriginal adage is, that, you know, walk in the moccasins of somebody else to know what it's like to feel um, different. I never felt like an outsider before. I'm white, I'm privileged, I'm Canadian, um, I'm educated. Uh, most of my friends were Christians. And I think it's really good, at least for me, to push myself to be around different kinds of people. It's really strengthened my faith and helped me to be more open to understand other people's journey. Mm. Um, but in terms of the, uh, the coming out process, it was so difficult. I lost a lot of friends. 
Um, my, my parents died quite some time ago, so my spouse only got to meet my mother twice. Um, but she was very gracious. She invited her, her and I to their home. She put out her best china, much to the uh, dismay of my siblings. And my mother said, this is my home. I will invite who I want, when I want. So that to me was a very gracious gesture. But I think for my spouse, you know, um, her experience with religion and Christianity has not been pleasant because her father is gay. She goes, I'm Jewish. And uh, so it, it's difficult, you know. So I feel sometimes like I have a tall order here to, <laughs> yeah. to try and really live with integrity where I can. But my family has come. My siblings have come along. We don't agree. They see it as a lifestyle choice. And I try to remind them it's not a lifestyle. It's a life. And why would I purposely choose this and to put myself through all this pain? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and, and I had to process that myself too because there was a point where it's like, I have to choose my spirituality over my sexuality, but I'm even more than that. I'm a child of God first. Mm. It's just some, this is the person that I love and want to spend my life with. Mm. Uh, so it was, a, it was a real mind bender. And uh, you know, my, I know my son isn't gay and I'm actually glad for him because his life will be much easier. Um, but, you know, I've, I've learned a lot through this process, and hopefully, because of my own suffering, maybe I can help somebody else who's going through the same thing. Yeah. Um, so there's always a reason for everything. Yeah. Well, Kat, we're really glad you found us here at St. Aidan's, and thank you for sharing. I know this is uh, some really personal stuff, but, you know, I loved hearing your story that it's quite evident that God's been with you through all of it, you know. Uh, the good times and the young times and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that, that yeah, that, that you've known at different points God's presence and love for you, uh, even through having a diverse family or faith or, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's, that's really neat. So thanks yeah. for sharing. My pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it.